Welcome to the Harwood Hustle powered by PGC Basketball. We believe in the value of a coach. We're here to educate, empower, and encourage you to lead like never before. When you reach the midseason checkpoint, it's important to evaluate where your team is at and where you're headed. In this episode, TJ and Sam walk coaches through some important questions they should be asking to finish the season strong. Before we start, a quick word from Manawata. Hi coach, if you're looking for a trusted resource for all your coaching needs, I want to invite you to visit pgccoaching.com and check out the world-class resource that we've created for coaches at every level of play. At one of our recent PGC coaching clinics, one coach called it like getting a master's degree in coaching. Another coach said his membership was his basketball Bible. If you're looking for a trusted resource, we've got everything you need to help you grow as a coach, build a championship program, enjoy the journey more, and have a lasting impact on your players. Once again, visit pgccoaching.com today to learn more and come join our PGC coaching community. Coaches, welcome back to the Hardwood Hustle, and we're recording this around the holiday time, so happy holidays to everybody out there, and, and for, for me and for many of you out there, it's mid-season, so we're going to talk about mid-season adjustments. Um, typically, around Christmas break is the midpoint of our season. I don't know if yours comes a little before or a little bit after that, but you know, you're in the thick of it. You kind of know who your team is. You kind of know, you know, if you're sitting there at 10 and 0, if you're sitting there at 5 and 5, if you're sitting there at 0 and 10, you kind of know your team is a little bit. And you got to ask yourself, where do we go from here? You know, it's, it's kind of hard to jump ship after three games or to believe you have it all figured out after three games. But after you have a pretty good sample size, maybe 30, 40 or 50 percent of your season in, you kind of know where you stand and you kind of know who you got, what you got and what adjustments do you make uh, during this season? So, Sam. I'm going to throw a question to you here in just a second, but, you know, I'm going to just break it down into three different categories. Uh, One would be that you feel like you've got it. You just need to keep doing what you're doing. Uh, A second one would be that, gosh, you know, we're okay. We're going to have an average season, but if we want to go somewhere bigger than this, we're going to have to make some adjustments. We're going to have to change things around a little bit here. And the third one is, Hey, listen, we are, not having a good season. We're not in a good position. And I think you're typically asking yourself the question here, the question being, you know, like, gosh, do we change everything to try and scrap out a few games? Are we building for the future? Are we just trying to get them ready for next year? Are we young? Are we uh, inexperienced or what it might be? But typically you're in one of those three spaces, you know, give or take a little bit. But Sam, let's start with the first one right here. So your, your season's going well. You're, you're, you're in a good place. You feel like you got what you need. You got a chance to be really relevant to, towards the end of the season here. So what kind of adjustments are you thinking about if your team is in this position? Well, this is a pretty loaded, um, pretty loaded topic, TJ, because I think it can go a lot of ways. Like your core, what are your core values that you're, you're committed to coming the season? We're talking, you know, like, uh, you say things are going well, so I'm just saying you're you're winning more games and you're losing. Your your offense is looking pretty good. Defense is rolling the right way. Your chemistry is good. So I think I think it takes it takes some real honest questions and honest answers a coach and a coaching staff have to ask and figure out where are we right now? Are we living up to what we said we were before the season? Before we really decide on what adjustments to make. Uh, but I will answer your question in a sense. I would say, you know, adjustments you might, hey, 
we need to get so-and-so more, more shots. They're averaging about 17, 18 a game. They're shooting it really well. We need to now design our offense because we think they could give us even more. They, they've proven that they're, they're ready to take that next step. Um, we might recognize that there's a couple other players that we might could get minutes for, and, but we're going to need to do something a little bit different schematically on defense. So those are a couple of things right off the bat just to start the conversation, but it's a pretty loaded uh, answer as well. Yeah, you know, I think when you get to this situation where your team's playing pretty well and you, you've got what you think is a good, a good, good club, and you and you think you got things going, I I think you still have to be a little bit on edge. And I think one of the things that can happen, and coaches who have been in this situation before, is that you can get comfortable. You know, I think this is one of the things you've got to protect against is getting comfortable. The second thing I think you have to protect against is you know, how are people's game plans going to change? I mean, if we're 10 games in and you're eight and two, you're nine and one, you know, people are going to look at you, you know, with the target on your back. So you're going to probably get a little bit better focus from the opposing team. And I oftentimes think you're going to get a lot more curveballs. You know, when somebody comes in and they're, you know, they're three and seven and you're nine and one, I think what worked early in the season can oftentimes change in the second half of the season because if team believes maybe that they're just way overmatched. So I think you have to start looking around the corner if you're in this if this type of team and you're in this type of situation. I think preparing for things that might be coming. For example, if you know you you're you're nine and one and you face man to man nine times, well, I wouldn't be surprised if teams have watched that film or they've seen you play and say, gosh, they've got a great man to man offense. I think before, you know, it's that old, you know, dig your well before you're thirsty. I think you start to start thinking about that type of stuff. Well, if we get tacked with zone, we're going to do this. Uh, you know, I think that's an, an important thing to do is look around the corner. And the third, we can dive deeper into these. But the third thing I would do is evaluate your margins. You and I talk about this all the time, you know, like it, creating a field goal percentage offense, defense margin, creating margin, you know, um, rebounding, turnover margin. How can you improve incrementally in some of those particular areas? So, for example, you know, when I look at our team right now, and I think we're we're seven and two, so off to you know a pretty pretty decent start, and um, it, it, things are going okay. But obviously, there's a lot of season left, and there's a lot of things to still come. What I do, what I see when I'm looking at our team is I'm breaking down these margins. We have a ton of room for improvement, and a lot of different margins. So I know why we're winning games, like where we do have margin. And I also know why we're having a lot of trouble in a lot of games is because of our lack of margin in other areas. So I think, you know, evaluating those things and, and keeping teams focused and, and trying to decide where you may be able to gain some more margin, not being satisfied is an important thing as well. Well, let me ask you this, you know, how much do you look at TJ? Okay, let's let's talk about you specifically. You're seven and two. One of your losses is to a, a top five team in the country. You guys came off a of sweet 16 last year. So you have high hopes. You got your, your majority of your team back. And you guys can make a legitimate run at a final four and a conference championship. So my question is, how much do you look at the, the opponent as the reference point saying, I know I got to go through this type of team and therefore I'm going to prepare my team in this way? Or it doesn't have to be an either or question here or or is it, hey, I just know our team has this ceiling and I got to get them there and not really, really focused on what we go through or need to go through. That's a relationship maybe you could talk about. 
Yeah, you know, I think much like we teach it at PGC summer courses, you know, we're trying to, to coach to the highest common denominator and what will you'll need in, in the biggest situations. I'll give you an example, like a jump stop, right? Like most people can go make a one on O layup, but most of your layups against good teams are going to come with some sort of defense. And so being able to jump stop when you need to, because you don't have an advantage is obviously something really important. But if you haven't dug that well, if you don't have that and all you can do is finish one on O or when you think that you have an advantage, you're going to come up against a team that has a shot blocker. You're going to come up against a team uh, that can alter your shots. And what do you do in that moment? So when I look at our team right now, you know, first of all, specifically, and maybe this will help coaches like looking at our team, seven and two is a good record. I'm happy, you know, with with that. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful we're there. But I think most good coaches probably have some level of paranoia, some level of like, gosh, you know, there's some other things that need to happen. And, you know, that could easily go and be five and five right now. We've squeaked out some games and they've gone our direction, but we played a lot of close margin games to this point right here. And so I'm looking, like I said, for 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 margins, like I'm looking for those places where we're, we're going to go up against the biggest and the best team we're going to play. And can we create margins against them? And I think that trickles down too, Sam. If we can create those margins against the team that are the best we're going to play, we got to, we should be able to create them against the teams that aren't as, as good as the best teams we're going to play. And so I'm really attached to habits. I'm really attached to like little things that are going to make our team better. For instance, I'll tell you where we've identified like our rebounding margin has got to get better. You know, we're at like an even to negative one rebounding margin. And I know the best teams we're going to play that will really, really hurt us. So that's got to improve. I also know that in special teams, we've been pretty good, but I think we can be great there. So there's one where a deficiency we have to cover up, like we have to get better rebounding the ball as a team. And another one is something we're actually pretty good at, but I think we could be great at. And so I'm trying to take different steps, both in, in things we're not so good at and things that I think are good. And how do we take them to great? Yeah, that's good. I think there's always a tension I think that's the right word. Attention with we got to become great at us. You know, I you know, I say this all the time to the teams I coach in club basketball is who are we playing today? I always ask our team that. And they they know now, you know what their answer is? Ourselves. The point is we we got to become the best we can be. And there just happens to be another team on the court that day. But the tension is this, TJ, we got to keep getting better. But we also do have to be prepared for our opponents and be prepared. We're not trying to get prepared for the teams that are the bottom of the league. We're going to beat them anyways. But we are trying to get prepared. So if they do do something schematically, defensively or offensively that I know or we know that we're going to have to guard against or attack, like we're sprinkling it in as we go. Or Is that your mindset? Like we may spend – if we have a two-hour practice, we'll spend 90% of that practice on us. But a month, six weeks, five weeks, you know, a week out, we're, we're sprinkling in working against something they do, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that, it, you know, you're preparing. Um, you know, I think about this when, you know, Georgia Tech used to have that uh, offense where they played Georgia every year. And it, Georgia, Georgia Tech was a big rival. Here Foot, in the football, state. triple option, yeah. Triple option, yeah. And they ran that like crazy. And I remember somebody asked Georgia about that. And they, I don't remember what it was, but they spent like 20 minutes a week or some part of their practice working on the triple option, preparing for that game because it was so unique to what they were going to see. You know, it's hard to go in and just change the whole thing 
on one game. And so I do think you are looking ahead without looking ahead. And I also think that some degree of that talks to the kind of team that you have, right? I mean, there's some teams that need to live completely in the moment because there's so much to work on. And there's some teams that have a bigger goal that can be looking ahead to working on that stuff. Now, you're not going to tell your team, hey, we're preparing for Georgia Tech right now, 10 weeks away. You don't want to lose their focus. I think that goes back to knowing the heartbeat of your team and, and what you need to do. So, for instance, for me, we have an older team. And I think people always assume that's a good thing and I or assume that a young team is a bad thing. And I think those are really bad assumptions because, I mean, I'll take young and hungry over experienced and tired any day of the week. And now I will also take experienced and hungry over young and, you know, young and hungry every day of the week. So you, you really want that combination. But one of the things that we're trying to work on and coaches might be in this same or a different situation is I think we have a, a veteran team and keeping them engaged every day. I mean, you know, we practice about a hundred times a year, something like that. So some of these people are 50 year seniors, they're in their 500 college practice. That's a lot. And, and you, if you do the same thing every single day in practice, then I think they can lose some focus, some engagement in what you're doing. And so I, I think it is a team where we have to balance it, our particular team. We have to balance being completely locked in on ourselves getting better, as well as being able to sprinkle in things that keep them fresh and engaged, like preparation, you know, little nuances versus another team, and maybe even adding stuff to our own team that we've never done before because we want to steal a few things here and because they should know all the other stuff like the back of their hand you know, because they've done it for five years. This is a good opportunity to maybe up one, go up one on your team and do something you haven't done before where that's add a particular type of zone, add a few more extra quick hitters, spend more time on special teams. And, you know, now if you have a young, inexperienced team, you might be in a situation like, let's just stay us. Let's just focus on us, lock into what we got to do because we have so much room for growth. Uh, and I think that's just knowing your team. Well, and too, I, I don't know if you're touching on this, but what you just said triggered there's the me and you were texting about this a couple of weeks ago with even your team. It's like we have to master the boring. We have to master the fundamentals of what we do. Right. But could we we've done this certain ball screen defense drill for four years with these guys. Is there another way we can work on our ball screen defense through another drill? So we're still accomplishing the same thing. We're just using we just got a different process to to achieve our goal. So that, tell me what you think, but I, I think that's part of the art of coaching is getting your kids and your team, you got to sell them on, hey, we got to get really good at this. Is it the most fun thing right now? No, but this is what we got to do if we're committed to being a team of excellence or a team chasing, you know, a championship. So, right, there's that relationship. How do I as a coach keep it fresh while we're still going after the same outcome? But also I got to get my kids and my team to buy into – some of those staple things we always do. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a, a huge dilemma that all of us as coaches face all of the time, you know, no matter what type of team, whether it's in any one of these three categories, you know, I think that, you know, there's certain things that just win that are hard and it's like many things in life. You just have to do it over and over and over again. You know, that, that book, book Toughness by Jay Billis, and we've talked about it before. But, you know, toughness is like little things done well time after time. And that is really hard, especially in this day and time when you have an instant gratification kind of 
um, way of thinking about a lot of things, especially players have that way of thinking as, as younger generations have just been trained that way a little bit more like I need it quicker. But we know that something like jumping to the ball is a habit you can't let go. Or we know that checking a screen or showing up on the help side or setting a good screen or, or whatever, things that can become mundane or, or boring are things that have got to be done every single day. And I'm definitely fighting that battle a little bit with my team. And understandably so. I think most coaches sometimes just get frustrated and mad. But, hey, look, practice is hard. If I'm in my fifth hundred, five hundredth college basketball practice, it's hard. Like I'm tired. I've done this a whole bunch of times. So I, you got to have empathy for that as well. And I think that's where you balance in the creativity. Like you talked about, how do I keep it fresh and fun? Um, you know, cause I really have a team in two different ends. One part of my team is old. One part of it's young. The young team just needs to do it over and over again with fundamentals. The old team is tired of doing it, you know, and, and balancing those two things is the art of coaching. Yeah. And another, I got a text from a high school coaching friend, recently who who had listened to one of our hardwood hustles at TJ and they brought up, you know what you could do? And I don't know if you do this now, you pull in a few of your leaders and say, Hey, today at practice, we need to get better at these three or four things and say, what do you think we should do? And kind of give some empowerment and ownership to some of your players. I think that's another way for coaches listening to make some, some adjustments mid season as well. So that's something to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Before we jump in our next, I just got one more thought on that. I, I think you're right. I think that just goes to the art of coaching. Like I think feeling the heartbeat of your team, the best coaches, like the quality of the best coaches I know is they can feel the heartbeat of the team and they can adjust because it, I mean, it, it, the coach that does the same thing every day over and over and over again, they just do it no matter what, whether it's going well, whether it's doesn't know how to adjust, that's a problem. And the coach that was me in the beginning of my career pivoted on a dime every time we turned the ball over. Let's change offenses, right? That's the problem too, right? You got to know when, you got to know how much. And this is something we balance all the time. Like, what do we what do we put into practice? How long do we go this time of year? You know, what are we focused on if we have to go short? Like, those are tough questions that coaches are always, always having to ask. And I, I do think that's the art of coaching. I do think being creative um, without losing the main point is really, really important. The second part I want to jump into, and we'll spend the shortest amount of time here and go to the, the next one with, where you're having a really tough season, is, you know, let's just say that you're six and four, you're five and five, right? And you know that, like, we keep doing what we're doing. You know, I think we can have a pretty good year. We can finish, let's say it's a 10-team conference or region. We probably can finish somewhere between, you know, three to seven, seven at the worst, three at the best, probably can't make a run at one and two. And you got to ask yourself the question, like, do we want to hold study and are we good with finishing four or five? Or is there anything that we could do that would give us an opportunity to take a shot at one and two? And this is a really difficult one because when you look at your team, you don't want to just change everything and be the one that says, gosh, we should have finished fourth and we finished seventh because we just took a took a home run shot, right? And you'd also don't want to just be satisfied and say, well, let's just satisfy with four and five when there's, I wish we would have done more to attack that three, two, one spot. I think this is an interesting dilemma or interesting spot to be in, Sam. Yeah, it is. And I, I'm curious to hear your, your insight into it. I, I don't know when, when we're talking about mid it, to me, it also goes back. Uh, hopefully coaches are doing the prep work before the season ever starts. Like I know me personally, there's there's just some staples in it and run leading a team of like, hey, we've got to do these three or four things 
phenomenal. And that's, that's just who, that's a staple of a good program. And then the little adjustments from a system and strategy standpoint, I think are great too and important, but I don't know, like making an overhaul mid season change. Well, I don't want to get too far. I know we're going to talk about that next, but what are your thoughts on it? Yeah. You know, I mean, here's the thing. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm saying I'm an all in guy. Like, I'm not settling for fourth. If I think we can take a shot at two, I'd rather finish six than I would four if I think I can go for two. I don't know if that makes sense, but like I yeah, would. Yeah, but go. what would be the example of where you got to make a decision where yeah. you think that it goes that way? I, I think you have to ask yourself this, and then here you make the adjustments like this. So you say to yourself, you know, hey, we just don't have the people or personnel to guard. Um, people off of the dribble you know like let's just say something like that we, we 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 just don't have the personnel to do that now we fight like heck and i know how to teach man-to-man defense really good and it's what i've believed in my entire life and i go here but you just know fundamentally it's just going to cause some problems for you right are, are you willing to say i've never done this before but i think our strength is going to be our speed and our athleticism at guards and whatever and now we're going to go we're going to press like we haven't before. We're going to drop back into a zone. We're going to do something like that. I mean, that, yeah. Or, hey, listen, we just don't have enough size to guard the post, um, especially the best teams we play. And so we're going to spend the second half of our season becoming a phenomenal double teaming team that we work on the rotations out of double teaming all the time. Or, you know, I, those are some examples. Or, you know, for instance, um, hey, look, we've run a particular offense that requires an up-tempo pace, but we recognize when we get into track meet with the best teams in our league that it's going to struggle. So I know that I can beat five through ten in my league with our pace of play and the way that we attack it offensively, but I don't think one and two, it's going to help us to have that many possessions against them. Are you willing to do something different like that? Are you willing to slow it down, run secondary break and, you know, go through your actions because you want a lower possession game against those teams. So look, there's a ton of different scenarios. Everyone's got a different scenario. The first part of that is identifying your weaknesses. What would stop us from beating one and two, right? Like what, what would, what would not let us get there? And am I willing to sell out to something that would give us a chance? That's going to guarantee you that you're going to beat one or two. If they guaranteed it, we would all choose that. Right. The downside of that gamble, like I just said, is that, yeah, I know that at this pace I can beat five through 10 on the regular basis. But if I go down to this other type of pace of play where I go to this zone and full court, I might lose the number six and number eight because that was our advantage against them. And so they're always rolling the dice a little bit there. But I think you got you got to you got to pick and choose what you're going to do as a coach in those situations. And uh, last thing I would say on it is. Well, a thought, I have a thought, and then maybe you can give me your thoughts on what I'm going to share is, do you have, I, I think you have a conversation with your team about stuff as you go along. Like, hey, this is what's going well for us. This is what we're going to have to improve on. I think letting them have more insight into a coach's mindset um, helps them have a deeper belief in what you're trying to do with them. And I think sometimes as coaches, meetings happen in office, in coaches' offices but then players are told what's going to happen, but they don't know why it's happening. And then there's just not going to be as great a buy-in. Yeah. I, yeah. I'll give another tangible example to that. You know, we, we lost a, a game the other day on the road and, you know, I think we were favored in the game, you know, and we lost and then we came back and we won a double overtime game just here the other day. And I think there was a couple of reasons 
you know, which was a big win for us. I think there's a couple of reasons and it goes speaking to what you just said there, Sam is, you know, when we came back from the game that we lost, uh, I, I, first of all, identified, I said, here's all the things that I think you could have done better as a team. You should have done this. You should have done this. I showed film. Here's what we should have done. I said, but here, before we do that, I said, after we, after we got done with that, I said, no, but listen to this, nobody in the gym was worse the other night than I was. And let me explain to you why I was the worst person in the gym. And I broke down the game plan, what we attempted to do, what we thought we could do. Now, they didn't execute what we thought we could do, but it was also not a very solid decision to put them in those situations because I had evidence that maybe they couldn't do that on a regular basis. And so giving them insight to what the game plan was and how we landed in the place of choosing that as our game plan, it was the wrong game plan. It was bad coaching. And they could have done better with the game plan, but I'm still think it was the wrong game plan. But helping them to understand how we landed that decision helps them to understand how we've landed at this next decision. And is there any objections to this? You know, like, do you see anything around the corner that might hurt us? And that's kind of letting the team into into the coaching staff a little bit. Yeah, and and I'll highlight something you said. You you took ownership and and kind of took blame for the loss. I think that's an important leadership trait coaches need to be aware of. You don't don't do it falsely, but if you feel really you didn't didn't because I think sometimes coaches come in the locker room like that's on me, and then they list out ten reasons why the players screwed up, and it, it wasn't real. But I do think you know a huge leadership piece is like it owning mistakes and vulnerability there. So I just want to highlight that to coaches. Yeah, and I think the most important of it part of it is is it's not taking the high road. Like I didn't coach a good game. I didn't have a good game plan. Like and, and being in it with them. You know what I mean? Like we're in this together. Like you didn't do a great job on your end either, but I didn't either, you know, like owning that. And so rather than, I think you're right, Sam is a good example of like, Hey, this one's on me or this one's on you. Or like, look, that's just a little separation in the team to me. It's their fault or it's my fault. Like we are in this together. And I think that collective accountability is a really big thing. So let's, Hey, let's jump into this last one. So Sam, you're sitting there and you're staring down the barrel and it doesn't look good. You know, you're one and nine, you're own 10, you're two and eight, whatever it might be. And you know that you're in for a long season. Um, there's not much you think you can do to get out of that. What do you do? And let me just give a more specific example. Like, do you go, you know, knowing that as your team's going to grow in the future, you're going to be a man-to-man team and you want to be great at these particular things, but you also know we don't match up very well. We don't do these things. Do you, do you go diamond in two or, or, or box in one the rest of the year, or do you go to some, you know, type of zone or whatever, because you're like, you know, I don't know if this will help us win more games, but it's probably a better chance than what we're doing. What do you do in that situation? You know, specifically, I mean, from an X's and O's, but I also think all the other stuff probably matters more, your culture, your leadership. Like you, you definitely have to stick with your staples there, but from a basketball scheme standpoint, what, do you, what are you thinking if you're sitting in this situation? Well, the first, I'm asking a couple questions. Why are we in this situation? Are we there because we've had massive injuries and we're just going to need to regain, we're going to readjust and, and do something differently? Or are we really young? And if we're really young and I know I'm going to be having these kids for the next few years, like I want to continue to build a foundation for now and for the future. And so we're going to stick with what we're doing and just get, try to get really good at that and, and help them understand. So I think we got to know why we are where we're at before I can make any decisions. Um, 
you know, the, the last one, you're just not very good because, you know, maybe you're not, you're not doing what you said y'all were going to do, you know, the best you could do it. And so we got to double down and just be better at what we're doing. But if there's been a rash of injuries and we now, we, we came the season having a, a 10 player bench and now we got six and we were a pressing team and now we might need to be more of a zone and slow it down team. Like those are, the, those are the things that coaches got to be aware of. Yeah. Yeah. I, and there's a myriad of reasons you could be in that situation. I think that's right. You have to ask yourself those questions, uh, you know, from a scheme standpoint, you know, I, I think you're always building a program, but you owe it to that team to be the best you can be. And so when I choose in that situation, what to do, I choose, I, I would typically choose minor adjustments that might help us a lot over major adjustments in this particular reason. So for instance, it, let's just say you have no injuries. You just don't have the personnel to go out there and win games, right? I don't know if I go wholesale as gimmicky and as tricky as I possibly can go in that year, but I might do some things. Like, let's just say that we're a pressure man-to-man defense, right? And what I might do is back us up off the ball and say, let's give a bigger gap here and let's help and load more and let's let's help, let's make them make shots. Now, if they make those shots, they make those shots. But, you know, defensively, we can still learn where we need to be and how to move, but maybe we back off that a little bit. Um, maybe we slow the pace a little bit and try and grind it out a little bit more. Maybe, you know, so, you know, not total, total overhaul of our offense, maybe just less possessions. So typically, you know, thinking about building a program and giving that team, the first place I'm looking is, what can we do that we already do slightly better that will help us to be able to grow in these areas without having to make a wholesale change? Now, there may become a season or a time when you have to do that, but I, I don't think you want to throw out next year's team and the growth moving forward and, and lose all the habits you're trying to build and all the different things you're trying to do just for the sake of maybe winning two or three more games this year. Oh, I agree 100%. Yeah. And don't have to always be mutually exclusive either. But yeah, coaches, are you, are you building a program? Or are you just trying to win the next game? And sometimes, like I said, those don't have to be exclusive. But yeah, I, I love this conversation, TJ. I think it's important. And, um, you know, one last thing I'll mention is I know a coach who was, he coached in the SEC for a while. And he, every year, he would about two or three weeks out from their conference tournament, the SEC tournament, he would start putting in an entire new offense. Um, not nothing too sophisticated, but he would that no, they would just practice it, and they wouldn't they would not unveil it until they got to the tournament. I don't know if you've ever done that before, but you know those are things. That, that's one last little thing I would throw out there just to be thinking about. You got to know your team if you can do that or not. But yeah. Yeah, I mean that's one of those things I would think about. Maybe if I'm in the, if I'm in that mid range category, you know what I mean? Like maybe even in the bottom category. I think if you're one of those teams at the top, it's hard to get away from what got you there. You know what made you great. But if you're one of those teams that know that I can't get over the hump without something like that, I like I like that i that particular idea. You know, here's the last thing I'd say as I'll wrap us up here, Sam. Is you know I think it's important as a coach to put yourself in some really decisive moments. So not living and yeah, maybe so this. So for for example, I think it's really important to say we're number four in the league right here. If we go to make this change, I believe it can make us possibly two or one but it could also be detrimental to us and go eight or nine. What decision do you make? 
What I don't think you say is, well, yeah, I think this will just move us to four or five. Or three. Put yourself in a hard decision. Am I willing to do this with that's the risk? If not, then you're, you're trying to serve two different things. And I think one of the things you have to have going into any game, in any time you've got a, a, a change of plans in your game plan, I think you got to be decisive. And I think you got to ask yourself hard questions. you got to be willing to say, because the minute you start negotiating with you, you're like, well, I think we could do this, but maybe not so much this and do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. I think you just got to put yourself to a tough decision. And once you make the decision, you got to be all in on it. I think one of the things I've seen coaches hurt themselves to be really wishy-washy in making these decisions. So, you know, go ahead and make the decision. Maybe if it's a no, just live by it. If it's a yes, go for it. You know, whatever that decision you have to make at this time of the season. So coaches, hopefully that was helpful for you just kind of thinking for where you're at in the middle of the season. What do I do? What changes could I make? What are some things? And we'd love to hear from you at hardwood underscore hustle. If there's some things that you're willing to change, if you would do this, if you would go all in, or if you're just going to stick to the game plan and ride it out, you know, for the rest of the year, it's a tough decision that all of us get to in our coaching career. And we've got to make some, some hard decisions. That's why uh, probably most of us don't get paid the big bucks, but that's why they say we get paid the big bucks. So coaches, best of luck to you and your mid season decision. He is Sam Allen. I am TJ Rosine. And we are the Hardwood Hustle. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Hardwood Hustle, where we believe in the value of a coach. We're thankful for you and all of our loyal listeners. We can't wait to be with you again next week.